Isaiah chapter 6, probably a familiar text to many of you, but maybe for some not. And uh, so we're going to look at this this morning and kind of use it as a springboard for our next uh, point in our, in our sermon series, which is Faith Awakens, The Faith Awakens. You know, early on in Christianity, it was just simply called not Christianity, but rather The Way. They were known as people of the way. What way? It was Jesus. And, uh, and so, you know, before we were even called Christians, we were, we were just known as people of the way. So that's why I say the faith. Uh, and we're talking about the faith awakens. And what we're trying to do is link faith, which is oftentimes in our, in our minds maybe something invisible, uh, to our five senses. And so we've already talked about seeing faith. We've already talked about touching grace, and today we want to talk about hearing truth. And so let's, let's start here in Isaiah 6. There, there's, a, there's really a plethora of places we could have started, but we're going we're gonna to just land here in Isaiah 6. Notice these words here as we begin. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of His robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim. Each had six wings. With two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called to another and said, which you just said a moment ago in your singing, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of His glory. And the foundations of the thresholds shook at the voice of Him who called, and the house was filled with smoke. And I said, Woe is me, for I am lost. For I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, by the way, that, that term seraphim is, is fire, literally. Um, <laughs> a fire angel, if you will. So he, fly, he flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then I said, Here I am, send me. Let us pray. Jesus, thank You for Your Word. Lord, would You download some things to us this morning that we need to hear? To me? Would You speak through Your Word to us in this place? Amaze us by Your Word, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Friends, Romans, countrymen, lend me your ear. You ever heard of that? Yeah, a pretty famous line from Julius Caesar said by Mark Antony. Or maybe you've heard this one before when you're talking to somebody, I'm all ears. Right? Uh, you know, a figure of speech, thankfully. And um, then you think about our biology, even. 
And you just start looking around the room and you'll see that we have two eyes which give us three-dimensional views. Uh, We have 3D because we have two eyes. We also have surround sound because of two ears, but only one mouth. And I think the biology is clear, isn't it? At least it is in Scripture. Uh, James will warn us later on in the epistle of James uh, to be very careful about our tongue. Even though it's a very small member of our body, it can cause a great fire. Much like a, a, a match thrown into the woods. The woods are huge, the match is small, and yet it can go ablaze quickly. Or like a ship, it's large, but the small rudder at the back can move the entire thing. So too is our speaking. And, and the reason why is because people hear what it is we're saying. And that's what we want to look at today is hearing the truth. Uh, we, we often know in our own relationships the importance of hearing and, and of, of uh, hearing and speaking properly. One of the things as I came to this service this morning uh, is, you know, every single time we meet, we gather. That's, that's the first thing. The people of God gather on Sunday morning. All across the world, they gather. You know, I'm all for having services on Saturday night and stuff like that too. But there's something special about Sunday morning because God is the one who who made it special. That's the reason Christians worship on Sunday is because that was the first day that He resurrected from the dead. And ever since that morning, people have gotten up, you know, interrupted their week and day or whatever it was, their morning, to come and gather in His name. When we gather, the Word is spoken. That's something basic to Christianity. When, when Christians gather, the Word is spoken. Then we respond to that Word. It's not properly a service of worship if we don't have time to respond to the Word of God. And so we do. But then there's one last point to it, is that is the people then that gathered, that then heard the Word, that responded to the Word, are then sent out into the world. And that, that's the design of every single worship service we have. So I I really just, in coming to this, this is some really basic stuff. uh, I mean, it's not, you know, sometimes I have what I feel like is some pretty novel stuff, and I'm like, really, you know, but sometimes we come and we just need to get back down to the foundation and to the basics, and that's kind of what this is today. So here's the question Can we hear from God? Yes, we can hear from God. Um, to what degree? Because many of us would say, hang on now. <laughs> I know we say that, but I don't really oftentimes hear from God. I mean, He's not speaking into my ear. I don't hear a whisper. Um, he's never said something audibly to me. Am I looking for that? And the, and the fact is, no, we're not looking for an audible voice. We're not looking for a whisper in the ear as much as an impression in our heart. So the heart is where we're told God wants to dwell. This is where He wants to live. I mean, like I've said before, I used to kind of snub at the idea that Jesus lives in our heart after I went to college and seminary. You know, it's like, do we really want to talk about it as that elementary? And yes, we really want to talk about it as that elementary. There's something profound about the idea of God, the God of the universe, the God as incomprehensible, uncontainable can come to dwell in us in His fullness. Not that we have some eighth part of God or a fourth part of God or half of God, but all of God in our heart. That is mind-blowing. Amen. That's, I, I mean, that's, I don't even know what to do with that. 
And yet, we're told that that's exactly where he... His temple is no longer some nice built temple with gold and silver and blocks and mortar, but instead, right here. This is the temple that he wants to dwell in the most. It's where he wants to find his home. And that's why Jesus can proclaim that the kingdom of heaven is not all far away somewhere, but rather right here. We can live in heaven this week, this day, no matter what we're going through, He promises that He can bring heaven down to us in our heart. So so can we hear from God? Yes, we can hear from God. We probably all agree with that. He has spoken, hasn't He? Already through His Word. And this is sort of what we're dealing with on Wednesday night in in one of our small groups. That God has spoken through the prophets and then the apostles. In the New Testament. So both Old and New Testaments are words from God about acts of God in time and space. Not only that, Jesus has spoken. In other words, God Himself has not just through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit spoken to people, but has come Himself and spoken words. So in our world, God has literally spoken words to us. Because those words spoken by Jesus were for all time. And they're recorded here for eyewitness accounts. We don't just have one account. You know, unlike some religions that just, there's one guy you gotta trust who was in a cave, you know, being spoken to by an angel, uh, that, that he even thought at first was a demon, i.e., Islam. Uh, no, we're not talking about that. We're talking about four different eyewitness accounts that were compiled by others that were eyewitness accounts that were then circulated around with people who were still living and could have contested that account and did not. Even his enemies did not. His enemies actually agree with Jesus that he did miracles. They simply say he did miracles, but he did them by Satan. Well, you just proved that he did miracles. He was a miracle worker. There were miracles that happened. The question becomes, was he of Satan or was he of God? And of course, we land on the side of he was from God because that's what he said he was. He said he is God. He claims to be Yahweh. This is what gets him in trouble with the Jews the most is that term Yahweh, the Lord. We've looked at that before. L-O-R-D in all caps is always Yahweh. We just read it here. Uh, You can see it right there. Holy, holy, holy is Yahweh of hosts. I am. And what does Jesus say constantly through John? I am the way. I, ego a me is in the Greek, just simply saying, I, I myself, which is kind of a way of saying, I am my own authority here. Doesn't he take this into his own hand at the Sermon on the Mount? He says, the law says this, but I say this. And the Jews just shuddered, thinking, who in the world would claim this unless you want to die? You don't claim to be God. Only crazy people do that. And Jesus wasn't crazy. You know, it's interesting. Nobody ever said he was crazy. None of the accounts we have of Jesus, not even his enemies were saying he was crazy. He has spoken in his word through others. He himself has come and spoken in our world. And the Spirit still speaks today. Amen. You can hear from God you can. You say, oh, well, I know that you know pastors or teachers or worship leaders or people that are involved in a church, you know, really spiritually elite people. No. no. Did you hear the reading a little moment ago that, that Pete had for us? The, the last reading was uh, from, the, from a gospel. 
And it listed two different examples in the Old Testament of Gentiles. Remember, we're in Epiphany, right? Jesus is given to everybody, not just the Jews, but to everybody. Two Gentile accounts where there were plenty of Jews that had leprosy, that were starving to death during a famine. And yet only two got help and they were not Jews. Why? Because of faith. They had faith and the Jews didn't. Naaman, you remember that story? Washing, we just had the baptism. I mean, that, you know, I almost wanted to preach about that. No. Uh, but he listened to the prophet's word. And even though he was about to leave, you remember he almost left and just gave it all up. Uh, he instead, go look at that up today. If you don't know the story, go look it up. We don't have time to recount all of it. But he, he actually did what the prophet said and, and obeyed God and he was healed. But there were other people who were leprous that were not healed. Did you see what was the point here? Was that even Jesus had just come to His hometown and the people said, alright, good. We've been waiting for you to come because we want to see some of these fireworks, man. We want to see you do some of these miracles. We've been hearing about it. been reading about it online. You know, they didn't have online, but you know, they've been reading about it. And, and yet, now we're ready for you to do them here in our town. And Jesus says, no... No, actually, you don't have faith enough for me to do it. So they're really excited at His coming at the beginning of that passage. They're about to throw Him off of a bluff at the end of that passage. Sound familiar? At the end of, you know, the end of, end of His ministry, the same thing happens. They're rejoicing as He comes into the city. They kill Him by the end of the week. Let's not do that in our own life. Amen. Let's not say with our mouth, oh yeah, we want to hear from God and really walk away from Him and reject Him when He tells us how to do it. So the question becomes, how do we hear from God? If we can hear from God and we're saying and agreeing that we can still hear from the Spirit of truth, how then can we do that? Uh, You know, in John 16, Jesus says concerning the Spirit that He will come and speak to us the truth of God. Speak the truth of Jesus, who is the truth of God. To us. So he promises that the Comforter, the Spirit, will come and speak to us. So, how do we hear from God? Well, I, I just put this together as sort of a, a really simple thing. I actually asked Jackson about this. I said, Jackson, if you were having trouble hearing someone, what would you do to, to hear them better? I kind of led him on a couple of them, but one of them he came up with himself. And the first thing he said, he said, you know, look, you got to actually speak up. Right? I mean, if you, if somebody, you, hey, I'm sorry, speak up a little bit. I can't hear you, right? Well, how do we, sp- if we can't hear, if you're not hearing from God, I just say to you, speak up. You say, well, how? Pray. That's how. Speak up. Speak up. Just real simple. Just pray. Really. The, the only way you're ever going to hear from God is if you begin to talk to God. If you never start that conversation, the conversation will never start. And the Scripture says, once you start talking to God, don't ever stop. You know, Jessica and I started talking, what, 13 years ago? Almost? It may be 13 years that we started talking to each other. And uh, we haven't really ever stopped. That's the same way prayer should work. It's exactly the same. You say, well, I mean, I have to work and stuff, man, don't you? Well, I have to go to work too. We're apart sometimes. But the conversation continues. You know what it's like when something gets between that conversation, though, don't you? In your own lives? 
And it has to be dealt with in order for you to continue to really talk to each other. To really love each other. And that's what we're... This is a relationship. If you want to hear from God, you must give yourself to Him in prayer. And prayer can look like on your knees saying something verbal, or it can be like Susanna Wesley, who had, who John Wesley's, you know, John Charles Wesley's mom had 10 kids. I thought we had a lot. Uh, she would simply throw her cloak, a cloak over her head, and everybody knew in the house that she was praying. Don't mess with mama. That's all she could do. I mean, with 10, I mean, I'm sure she didn't have some big house like most of you do. Um, no, she probably had a small house and 10 kids. And you know how crazy that would have been. And she said, no, mama's praying now. I'm done. I'm praying. Find a place to pray to God. I don't know where you're... I'm not going to tell you where you're... I'm not going to tell you how to pray. I, I like to sometimes walk around and pray. One of the things I do in the morning, first thing, I, I wake up, open up all the blinds because I, I don't like to live in a cave. And, uh, and then I go outside normally. Hot or cold, I go outside and kind of just walk around for just a second, you know, just 30 seconds or something, and just thank God for the sunrise. Thank God for my day. Thank God for my family. Before I go to sleep, I normally always go upstairs and pray for my boys. I'll say soon, my boys and girl. You know, and I, I just walk through their room, literally, and just say a quick prayer. It's not some long, drawn-out thing. Just say a quick prayer. I like to walk around sometimes when I pray. I don't like to actually speak out loud when I pray. Just me and God. That's just me. Some people have to speak out loud. You know, my brother likes to speak out loud. Um, you know, I, I pray a lot in my car, my, my truck. When I'm going to school, I have 20 minutes. And, I, and sometimes, you know, I'm, I'm digging a song or whatever. Other times I just shut it off and I'm just, it's me and God. And I just in silence pray. Whatever way you pray to, it's like, it's like marriage. Some people like to spend time with hobbies or something. And you think it's dumb, but they think it's awesome. Find a way to talk to God every single day and to intercede for others. Amen. Find that way. If, you don't, if, if, if my little illustrations there aren't good enough, talk to other people. Say, you know what? How do you normally pray? What's, what's sort of the routine or what do you do to pray? Find out. Explore. Try new things. Sometimes I am on my knees. Sometimes I need to show. I, I, it just is something I need to do. Uh, I feel very compelled to do. Uh, sometimes I literally will just sit there before God. Not saying a word. That's some of the best prayer time. And He begins to open things up to me. Um, find a way to pray to God. You have, if you're going to hear from God, we've got to speak up. We've got to speak up. <laughs> Not only that, if you want to hear someone, oftentimes we'll say... Just come here real quick. I can't, I can't hear you, right? So just come over here and let, let's talk because I can't hear you way over there. You know, This is often is the case with our children. You know, They're up there trying to say something. We're trying to yell up something. Just get down here. You know, Let's talk face to face. And isn't that what we need from God? We need to draw close to God if we're going to hear from God. The Scripture says this, if we will draw nigh unto Him, He will come near to us. You know, oftentimes I have thought, Lord, why do you? Why are you the way you are? You know, 
I mean, why, why can't you just be seen and, and be easy to talk to? And like, when, you know, if I say something, you're just right there and it's very clear and this sort of thing. And, and, and Lord, why do, you, why do you try? I mean, it's almost like God just stays hidden. You know what I mean? Like, you just, it's almost like he's hidden sometimes. Like, you just, he, I mean, it's because, it, trust me, not every time I pray, am I just getting revelations and feeling, feeling uh, you know, great about it. Sometimes I'm just like, wow, this is, this is tough. I don't, I don't feel like I'm getting anywhere. I don't feel like anything's happening beyond the ceiling. Uh, so why does God stay hidden? And I don't think, it, I don't think it's at all that God is hidden. Amen. Uh, I think maybe, a, a, this might be a bad illustration, but you know, many times in my life I've thought to myself, you know, why don't people appreciate this about what I do or what somebody else does or or, you know, why don't they think about me like this? And the reality is, a lot of times we think a lot better of ourselves than other people do. In the same way, we are saying a lot of times, Lord, why are you not present? And we're the ones not present. It's not, it's not on God. It's all this other stuff, the sin in our life, the ulterior motives in our life. We're just really there to use God. We're just ready there for a quick fix. He's there for a loving relationship. We're just asking for a cheap date and He's looking to be married to us. That's the difference. And He's not going to entertain our little cheap date. He's not looking for something short term. He's looking for the long term. And He will stay hidden until you start searching for Him and lay down the cost of discipleship and say, you know what? I'm willing to be in this for the long run. Because if He were to entertain our little cheap ideas, then He would string us along and give us a false hope. Because there's only life in the Son of God. In a loving marriage to Him. We are betrothed to Him. We are His bride and not another. And so God is not hidden at all. It's us who can't see. It's us who can't hear. And that's why we must draw close to Him. And when you are close to God, when sin is not interfering and blocking your way to Him, that's when you'll begin to hear Him. We must be pure of heart. It's the same way in your relationships, isn't it? If you've sinned against your brother, your sister, and by the way, you know, brother or sister actually even transcends our marital relationships. Jessica is my sister in Christ. She's not just my wife. She, I'm her brother in Christ. Same thing with every one of you. And when there's sin between us, the communication is disrupted. In the same way, if there is sin between us and God, the communication is disruptive. We should not be belligerent that He's not speaking to us when in fact we're the ones who are far away. He is speaking. I love this passage in Isaiah because there's two things that I think are continually being said in heaven. I mean, they're going on constantly if we could only hear them. And it's right here in chapter 6 of Isaiah. Holy, holy, holy. I think that's being said all the time of God. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of His glory. If we can't see that, if we can't hear that, that's on us, not on God. It's being said all the time. And the second thing is down at the bottom, what we read. 
Isaiah says, finally, after he's been touched by the coal, after he's been purified, after his sin has been forgiven and taken away, he finally hears it and it says this, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? I think those two things are constantly being said. Holy, holy, holy. Holy Father, Holy Son, Holy Spirit. And then the second thing comes right out of that. This is who I am, God says. Now I want to send you into the world to be holy. Holiness unto God. That is our, God says, I am holy, therefore you be holy. I love, therefore you love. And that's the greatest of the commandments. And so if we want to hear from God, we must get face to face with Him. Come near to Him. Third thing, if you want to hear somebody, sometimes you just have to wait. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like, if you, you know, my kids, I'm in a conversation and they come up and they're like, Daddy, 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 Daddy. I'm like, Son, wait a second. Right? You've had this happen before? If not, just come over to our house sometime. You'll have it happen. Uh, you can experience with me, okay? The frustration of having someone gnawing on your leg as you're trying to conversate, you know? Or I'm on an important phone call with somebody, you know? And, and I've got people that are just pulling on me. Um, Sometimes we just need to wait. And if it's important enough, we will wait. I think this is maybe God's way of of kind of filtering out some of the unimportant stuff. You know, I've prayed about a lot in my life that really, you know, isn't important. I mean, I might have even prayed that the saints would win. You know what I'm saying? Like, I might have. I'm just saying I might have. Uh... But God's not interested in that, you know? That's like a little kid. He, he just wants a, another cookie that he already knows he can't have. And we just keep asking the same stuff like an annoying kid. We need to get down to what matters in our praying. And if it matters, we'll wait. You remember Jesus even gives, doesn't he? He says, look, there's a, there's a, there was a wicked judge and there was a woman that wanted something done by that judge. And she just kept coming back over and over and over again. She waited until he responded and it was in her favor when she did. My dad has a a neat saying that you've probably heard before that I use now a lot and that is the squeaky wheel gets the oil. It's true. If you're having problems with a company, just keep calling them. At work, just keep going back. It gets annoying until finally the person is ready to deal with it. Let's deal with it. And God says, Jesus says this, if a wicked judge will rule in your favor because of persistence and waiting on it, how much more will your heavenly Father who wants to give you good gifts, He will give them to you if we'll just ask. But we must be patient and wait sometimes. Wait until the distraction's clear. Wait until the time is right. And He'll come through. Every single time He'll come through. He will speak to you if we will wait upon Him. And sometimes it's really a sanctifying experience that we have to go through. You know, again, are we willing to wait for that person in our life? Are we willing to wait for God in our life? Or are we just, if you don't do it now, I'm out. Just imagine that being in in, in our relationships. You can't abide by it, then I'm out. I mean, we wouldn't have any friends. 
You'd even have to fire yourself. Amen. I'm most disappointed not in other people, but myself. So was Isaiah here, wasn't he? He sees a vision of God, and the first thing he says, whoa. <laughs> I like that, actually. He says, whoa, whoa. You know, woe is me. I am a person of unclean lips, living amidst a person, uh, people of unclean lips. But then God comes through, doesn't He? And purges His lips, burns His lips, which is fire, which represents our sanctification. If you want to hear from God, sometimes we must wait for Him and just trust Him in His waiting. He knows more than we can imagine. It's not that He is not answering or He's being a mean daddy you know, to us. No, my kids think that sometimes. But I know more than them. I, Jessica and I can see more than they can see. And they ask for a lot. But we only give them select stuff because we know what is best for them. And in the same way, in a exponentially more, God knows what is best for us. And we ha- sometimes just simply have to trust that. Last thing is, uh, if we want to hear from God, we just need to listen. Practice silence. You know, we're coming up on on the season of Lent, which Lent just means spring. And so, during the springtime, we always do sort of a spring cleaning spiritually. And that is, we, we all accumulate, don't we, stuff in our life, just like in your garage. You ever notice how fast your garage just gets messed up? Does it... Anybody else have that big of a problem? I saw this little meme the other day on uh, social media that that was uh, a house plan. And it had, uh, you know, all the house was a garage and then it had a small bedroom and a small bathroom. Uh, That's sometimes about the way we feel in our garages, at least mine. It always gets messed up with just stuff. In our life, it's the same way, isn't it? We just accumulate stuff sometimes that shouldn't even be there. And springtime is a great time for cleaning out our life and realigning it to what God wants for us. And, and one of the ways we do that is through fasting, through self-denial, through adding things to our life that we normally don't have there. And so, <clears throat> one of those things I'm going to suggest to you is silence. Soli- what we call solitude. Now, nobody wants to be alone. You know, nobody enjoys deeply, you know, always being alone. I mean, everybody needs some time away, but, but people are afraid of being alone. If you'll notice, when you're in a waiting room, people don't even know what to do. Like, you know, if, if all of a sudden they have to wait a long time, which doctors obviously normally do, you know, you'll rarely see someone just sitting there pleasantly. They're like frantically searching for the right magazine to look at, or let me see if I can get on my phone, because I don't want people to think that I don't have anything to do in life, you know, or, or that I'm, you know, not busy in life. I mean, let me just uh, try to find something Candy Crush to play on my phone, you know, whatever, just to occupy our time. You know, practice solitude. Practice silence. If you've never done that, you know, we have so many voices from our radios to our televisions. I mean, you just drive through a neighborhood at night, you see this blue flicker everywhere. It's TV. We're just, we have to always have something on or going or we feel like we're worthless. But does our worth really come from television? Radio? Noise? If we're going to hear from God, we need to push back on all those distractions and sit sometimes in silence. Just practice it 15 minutes of nothing in a room. Thinking about God, praying to God. And, I, you know, 
I, I think I can make you a promise in full assurance that He will meet you there when you do that. Just try it sometime. You know, we're not talking about loneliness. We're talking about... Because loneliness is really, you know, inner emptiness. You feel empty inside when you're lonely. I mean, you can be even around people and still feel lonely. You just feel empty inside. No, no. Solitude brings inner fulfillment. When we're filled up with God, no matter if I'm by myself or with other people, I am at peace. You remember what Paul says, in all things, learn to be content. That means if you're having to wait at the doctor's office or wait on, you know, whatever it might we have to wait all the time. Wait in traffic. What if we just practice solitude in those moments? That's the, that's the toughest time, isn't it? To practice solitude. I'm talking to myself here, you know. When I'm in a hurry, that, that's not a time for solitude, is it? Or is it? If we're going to hear the divine whisper, uh, we're going to have to practice solitude. Being alone with God. There's a place, of course, for small groups and corporate meetings. But if you never get around to meeting with God yourself... You've missed the whole boat. Jesus says, you know, the Pharisees, they pray in public where everybody can hear them in front of everybody. They say great prayers too, you know. But you, Jesus says, you go into your closet, shut the door, and pray to God. And what He does for you there will be shown openly. What the Pharisees do openly, they have nothing. But what you have in private in that alone time with God, will be displayed, manifested in your life. That's the way our marriages work, isn't it? You shut the door to get intimate. At least you do around our house. You have to. Too many people around. In the same way, God says, you know what? You must shut the door sometimes and get intimate with me. Isn't this a marriage? I'm just saying this is a marriage. With Jesus, we have to have that time. Not just in public where we... I mean, because trust me, I've seen plenty of marriages that were awesome on the outside. They, they treated their wife publicly way better than I did. I felt bad. But inside that, the doors of that house was not the kingdom of God. It was hell on earth. No, no, no. We're talking about private. Shut the door. Be alone with God. And I promise when you do that, He will speak to you. <laughs> he likes you to do that. Elijah did this, didn't he? Went away, got in a cave, big earthquake, fire, wind. None of that is a whisper. It's a whisper. The only way we're going to hear that whisper is if we're alone with God. So, <clears throat> can we hear from God? Yes. How should we hear from God? Well, there's a couple ways there. And then lastly, what does God hear? We're not talking about what we hear, hearing from Him, but what about, what about God? What does He hear from your life? Like, what are you really saying to Him? You remember Adam and Eve hid from Him. He called to them and they went and hid. Are you hiding from God today? Is there something in your life that, that, that you know should not be there and you're really just hiding from God? That's why you can't hear from Him is because... You're, you're hiding. I mean, he calls out to them, hey, where are you guys at? And like, oh, well, we're over here hiding because um, we kind of messed up a little bit. I mean, you can't hide from God, really. You shouldn't hide from God. 
Think about in Exodus where God speaks from the mountain and the people say, it literally says they stopped up their ears and said, no, no, do not do that again. You scared us. You need to go just talk to Moses. You don't need to talk to us directly. That freaks us out. Is that our response to God? Are we, are we fearful of Him? Is it all about hell for us and, and we just live in this constant fear of going to hell and we're not even concerned with loving God? Because that's not what it's about. It's about loving this God. Wanting to hear His voice in our life. There must be a desire to hear from Him. Some people reject the Word of God. Is that what God hears from you? A rejection? I hope not. The worst, I think, is this. And I think it's a lot of times what the majority of people fall into. And that is no, no response at all. You ever notice in a conversation when, when, you know, it's a good thing that you're still in a heated conversation sometimes. You know, going back and forth. When communication shuts down, that's, that's never a good thing. I mean, that sometimes happens, you know, to me. Uh, Jessica will just be like, nothing. And I keep talking and there's nothing on the other end. That's not a good sign. That's not, never a good thing. Um, that means that I've, I've really done something not good. In the same way though, we sometimes will just shut down on God. We won't respond to Him at all. Act like we didn't even hear. Maybe some of you already know that you're called to something and you just act like it's not even there. That's the worst kind of way, isn't it? When you're trying to talk to somebody and they're not wanting to talk back at all, that means you shut down. Don't shut down on God. He wants to speak to you and, and listen. What He's going to tell you is good. 100% of the time. It's good for you. It's going to bring joy and fulfillment to your life if you'll respond to Him. What are other people hearing? Well, we could spend a whole other sermon, which I'm not, on that. When they're around you, what do they hear from you? I don't mean just your words. Just being around your presence. What do people really take away from being around you? The Lord says to love Him with all our heart and to love others as ourself. We give ourselves a pretty big break, don't we? At least I do. I've given, over the years, I've given myself a huge break. You know, shown a lot of grace to myself. Um, forgiven myself a whole lot. But we're not so quick always to do that for others. Just if you want to love others, love them like you love yourself. If we're going to hear from God, which we can, that's the good news, then we must be diligent to draw close to Him. We must speak up in prayer. Come close face to face with Him. And wait for Him. And listen. Really listen. If we do that, He'll speak to us. And then our job then is to respond to that that Word. Which is what we're going to do now. Amen.